Welcome everyone to the Spoken Nerd podcast. This is the podcast about database technology. I'm your host, Connor McDonald, and I must admit, the temptation at the moment is to have the cricket on in the background because I'm a passionate Aussie cricket supporter. But I think the last thing you want on this podcast is occasional interruptions with me doing things like yes and no, etc. So the TV is left off, even though the cricket is on, and we'll focus on the database technology as we should do. In the last episode, we went back to basics, talking about the subtle differences between an Oracle database versus an Oracle instance. And even though we often use the terms interchangeably, how that difference becomes critical when we start talking about things like real application clusters. If you missed the podcast, the database was just the file component of what we'd conventionally call an Oracle database, effectively your data at rest on some sort of storage medium. And the database consisted of various types of files, control files, data files, etc. But in this episode, I thought we'd talk about just the data files because that's probably where your focus lies. It's got your data in it. So we're going to explore data files more in this podcast, but we're going to explore that from the approach of the user perspective, namely the customer who's writing queries never mentions data files, etc. And in fact, even though data files are just files on disk consisting of Oracle blocks, typically these blocks being 8K, a person writing a SQL query never ever has to actually nominate any of that information. So when someone comes along and types in select star from my table, how does that work? How does the database take that query and find that object, that table called my table, how does it map it into where that table is stored out on the physical disk infrastructure? Somehow it must relate to the Oracle data files and the Oracle data blocks, etc. But the question is, how does the database do it? If we can understand that, we can have a greater understanding of how the database works, which ultimately will improve our understanding of how to write and tune SQL queries. When someone writes select star from my table, that table must obviously previously exist in the Oracle Data Dictionary. And one would hope it's got some data in it as well. Otherwise, there wouldn't be much use in terms of running a query on it. If you are new to Oracle, you might be thinking, maybe it's when we created that table. That is when we nominated the data files and whereabouts the data would be stored. And this is true in some respects. But if we look at the DDL for a create table command, we would have create table, my table name, and then the various columns, etc. But we never ever nominate a data file. We nominate a thing called a table space. We might have a DDL such as create table, my table, table space, data. So what is a table space? It isn't a physical thing. It doesn't occupy space. It's not a disk structure. A table space is a logical construct. And this construct is just a logical grouping of physical data files. So when you nominate a table space to place an object such as a table into, you are nominating a selection of potential data files into which your data will be stored. You might be thinking, why not just nominate a data file directly? Think about the kind of things that Oracle has had to tackle over the years of the evolution of databases stored on servers. A file size might be limited to a size smaller than what we'd like our table to be. We've all had those days where we would stick in a USB stick into our PCs 
and that USB stick as we bought it from the shopping center was formatted as say FAT, the FAT file system or even FAT32. And then with that USB stick, we get given a very large file, let's say a movie from a friend who got it from somewhere and they don't want to tell us where. We try to copy that large file onto that USB stick and we get that error, the file is too big for this format. Such things like that are challenges that Oracle had to face when it came to storing data in the database. A table in a table space, as opposed to a table being nominated to sit in just a single data file, means that table could span multiple data files as it grows. We'll come back to all the ins and outs of table spaces in a later podcast, but for the sake of this discussion and this session, all we really need to know is that if we create a table, we define it to sit inside a table space, which ultimately means that table will sit in one or more data files. So table going to table space, going to data files is the way we make that jump from logical abstraction into the physical data files stored on disk. Now there's lots of things that could consume disk space in an Oracle database. We have tables, obviously that's probably the most common thing you would think of, but anyone that's used a database knows that we create often indexes. Indexes would consume space on disk. A table might be partitioned, so each individual partition would then consume disk and the table would just be a logical abstraction of those multiple partitions. But even a single column could consume disk separate to a table. If you create a column of type clob or blob, then those large object contents are stored in their own section on disk outside of the table. The term we have for anything which occupies space on the disk, effectively the parent of all those terms we just used, tables, indexes, partitions, etc., is called a segment. So when you have anything that occupies space on disk, we refer to that as a segment. Thus, when you create a table, what you're really doing is creating a segment on disk. If I'm going to create a segment on disk, the next logical question is, how big should that segment be? Is my table going to contain 10 rows? Is it going to contain 10 million rows? Am I going to load those 10 million rows right at the start or is it going to grow over the next five years? By default, obviously, when we create a table, it is empty. Should we grab the entire file or the entire table space contents and pre-reserve it for that table? We need to meet all the requirements of being able to not consume space excessively at the start, but also be able to grow. And to do that, we allocate chunks of space in what we call extents. And thus, just like a table space is a logical grouping of data files, you can think of a segment as being a logical grouping of extents. Every time a object on the database needs to acquire some space, we allocate an extent. The extent size can be nominated, and we'll come to that shortly, but what we do is we then put data into that extent and as that extent slowly fills up, if it fills, we then grab another extent. And thus a table will start off with one extent and grow to multiple extents over time as that table fills up. You might be thinking, I think you've just moved the conversation from segment to extent. We had the same issue. How big do we nominate to an extent to be? And that's worth having a little trip down memory lane because historically this was a big deal. There used to be books and blogs and all sorts of information out there to talk about how you choose the size of an extent when you first create a table. And the create table command gives you facilities to nominate how big the first extent should be, 
that was known as the initial extent size in the storage clause for the create table command and then you could nominate the next size which is all subsequent extents thus historically we might have a situation where we expect a table to be perhaps 100 megabytes in size and thus we might nominate an initial size of say 80 megabytes just in case it never grows fully to 100 meg and then have a next size of 20. We're anticipating that over time it will go to maybe one or two extents and thus we have consumed 100 megabytes on disk and that is our 100 megabyte segment that reflects the size of the table. Initial and next settings were how we controlled our expectations on table growth over time. If we had no idea how fast a table would grow, we may choose a very low initial size because the table may end up with no data at all, but set a larger next size in order to accommodate growth if it comes in rapidly. Historically, people even used to set a thing called the percent increase, which would be a multiplying factor for each extent size as they got allocated. So your first extent may be 10 megabytes, your next extent may be 20 megabytes, but subsequent extents would be multiplied. So the 20 megabytes would become 30 megabytes if we needed a third extent. That 30 megabytes might become 40 megabytes if we needed a fourth extent, etc. Effectively a exponential growth in the size of each extent. All of these things were tactics aimed at keeping the number of extents for a table or any kind of segment down to a small size. Unfortunately, when DBAs saw these kind of implementations in the Oracle database, this led to a myth that has persisted for so many years in the Oracle community, that being that the best thing you can do is to have a table or an index or any kind of segment in a single extent. This is what we used to call the one extent myth. And there's certainly a ring of plausibility to it. If I have 100 extents, each of size one megabyte, it would seem more complicated to read a table than if that table was just a single extent of 100 megabytes. There was this theory that if you had to read small chunks from the disk, the database would have to bounce around through the data files and therefore that would slow things down. That kind of opinion was reinforced by the fact that most people by these days were starting to get Windows PCs on their desktops. And the first thing you were taught when you had a Windows PC in the days of old hard drives was that regularly you needed to defragment your machine. You would run the defragmentation tool on Windows and it would take fragmented files and consolidate them into contiguous files. And obviously, if data on your Windows PC needs to be defragmented, then logically it sounds plausible that the data in your database needs to be defragmented as well. And rest assured, there was a huge industry out there of tools and consulting experts that could be brought into your site to come up with efficient ways to grab all those tables that were sitting in multiple segments and unload and reload the data to get it back down to a single extent because somehow that was going to make things better. Even Oracle's own tools, the export command, used to have a parameter called compress. Compress equals yes was the default and that wasn't actually compressing the data. What it was doing was is taking your data, unloading it to a file and the compress option would say when we load it back into the data, I will choose an initial extent size such that all of the data would fit in a single extent. So even the tools that were provided by Oracle themselves suggested that a single extent 
was the best way to go because that was the common understanding of the day. I must admit to some of my own embarrassing tales here. I remember I still have a old PowerPoint presentation from 1995, which I gave to a user group where I spent most of the talk describing tools and techniques to get your data down to a single extent and even going so far as telling DBAs that they should be very open and transparent with their business executives saying that there will definitely be a need from time to time to have a large outage because that's the only way you'll be able to get those multiple extent objects back down to a single extent and therefore have some good performance out of your Oracle database. That presentation haunts me to this day. There are a few members of the Oracle community that were actively speaking out against one extent being the utopia for Oracle databases, but really they didn't get much traction until 1998. That was a landmark white paper by Juan Luesa. Yes, that Juan Luesa you've probably seen on many a blog post or video from Oracle. He's very high up in the Oracle chain of command nowadays. He wrote a white paper called how to stop defragmenting and start living. And he came up with an algorithm which he called SAFE. And that SAFE stood for Simple Algorithm for Fragmentation Elimination. The key point of that white paper was actually the antithesis of common logic at the time. He was saying, if you have all your tables in one extent, you will actually make things worse for your database. This was the logic, and this logic is totally valid, I might add. If I have several different tables, one table is say 93 megabytes in size, one is 14 megabytes in size, one is 32 megabytes in size, all in the same data file, then what that means is as that data file gets consumed by new objects and as objects are dropped, the free space, the places in that data files where we do not yet have tables become effectively odd sized. If every object in there is a different initial extent size, then looking for holes to put new tables is actually harder. Because if I have a 93 megabyte hole, a 27 megabyte hole, in fact, even if I have several free space gaps that are contiguous, one might be 11 megabytes followed by 17, if I come to try put a 20 megabyte extent in there, the database has to work harder to find an appropriate piece of free space. The safe algorithm was what if for a given data file, or in fact a given table space, which is just a logical collection of data files, what if for a given table space we said everything in that table space will have the exact same extent size. So whatever table I put in there, I'm going to nominate a common extent size for every single object that goes in that table space. For example, if I'm expecting to have some very big tables, say 150 gigabytes in size, maybe even larger. I would put those tables in a table space where every extent is say 20 gigabytes. Those tables which are say 25 gigabytes will use two extents. Those tables which are 200 gigabytes will use 10 extents. But the key thing is every single gap or free space hole in that table space is going to be 20 gigabytes because if you create a table, I consume 20 gigabytes in one extent. If I drop a table, I release 20 gigabytes in one extent. If I truncate an existing table, I get 20 gigabyte extents released back into the free area. No matter what happens, every time I need to reuse some space in that data file, I'll be able to find a 20 gigabyte hole because every single chunk is 20 gigabytes and all I'm ever going to be asking for is a 20 gigabyte chunk. There is never an issue of fragmented space needing to be 
consolidated in any way, shape or form. Of course, not every table in your application is 200 gigabytes in size. And for that, if I have, say, very small tables, say less than even just a few megabytes, I would create a table space just for them. And they would have a unique extent size of, say, one megabyte. Every single tiny table would then go into that table space. As a result, the white paper was making a recommendation that you have a number of discrete table spaces for the differently sized tables, indexes, etc. in your database, but you always have a common extent size on a table space by table space basis. That extent size can be different depending on the size of objects in the table space, but that common extent size means you never have to worry about odd shaped holes, different sized chunks, etc. It is always just the case that you will only ever ask for a common extent size and you will only ever free back to the database that same extent size. That means every single bucket is reusable. You never have to reorg your data to fix up those free size buckets. You don't have to defragment and therefore you don't need an outage. So that white paper was a great moment and was very rapidly adopted and endorsed by the community and many of the more senior people in the Oracle community were going, we've been trying to tell you this for a long, long time, but finally it got widespread acceptance. The fact that we don't need to take these huge outages and do defragmentation exercises if we never have to defragment in the first place. If you ever want some fun, have a Google round on the internet about my name and the word squirrel. I used to do a demo about defragmentation using a squirrel, a fake squirrel, I might add, a ceramic one, and a hammer and some nails. How that applies to defragmentation, I'll leave to your imagination, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it out there on the interwebs somewhere. So that white paper fixed up the issue of having to do reorgs and take big outages, but what about performance? There was still that theory out there that if you had multiple extents in a table, then querying that table would be impacted in terms of performance because you had to bounce around the data files looking for these extents. That too was always a myth. One would never find this in the Oracle documentation, but for as long as I can remember, hard-coded or burnt into the Oracle kernel is a constant called SSTIO max, which really is how much can the Oracle database read from the operating system layer in a single visit? Namely, how big an IO can I do in one trip out to the disk? And in every version I know of in Oracle, that has always been one megabyte. So even if I have a table which is in a single extent of 10 megabytes, I can't race out to the disk and say, give me 10 megabytes of data, please, on this visit. That constant SSTIO max means I'm only ever going to read one megabyte at a time. Anything bigger than one megabyte means I'll be doing multiple reads anyway. A 10 megabyte extent will be read in one megabyte chunks. So the size of an extent, anything greater than one megabyte, so the theory that large sizes of extents means I don't have to do multiple trips out to the disk is a fallacy. But perhaps Having those extents in contiguous blocks on disk still is a performance benefit because the disk heads won't be bouncing around to different files, different spots on the disk, etc. But let's be realistic here. There might be some truth in that if you are the only person that ever uses an Oracle database. But there are very few databases out there that are single user systems. The reality is at any given point in time on an Oracle database, we have lots of things happening. That's one of the reasons we choose an Oracle database for its fantastic concurrency facilities. 
So if I have lots of users all running queries against the same table or different tables all at the same time, guess what? Those disk heads are bouncing around all over the place anyway. That's what they do. And in fact, even if I bring it back to a single user system, with the advent of storage area networks or effectively consolidated storage systems, the concept of data being on a particular file which sits on a single disk is long since gone. Nowadays, things are totally abstracted away from us. When you look at a file system, it doesn't sit on a disk anymore. It might sit on a cache layer which talks to a storage area network which is spread across a disk volume which consists of 50, 60 disks in a striped and RAID configuration. The days of knowing what disk your data is actually on are long gone. And of course now, with the advent of the newer disk technologies such as Flash, the whole concept of data placement on disk has become somewhat of a moot point. Thus, we read data at most one megabyte at a time. So in reality, where those extents are located and the size and number of extents in a table really makes no difference to the performance of reading the data for a query. Which nicely segues us back to the original topic, how do we actually read the data from disk when we do a select star from my table? Just a quick aside, I will say that I did update my reorganization and defragmentation presentation to uh, include much more modern thinking, so it's no longer an embarrassment for me. Thus, to query a table means to know where each of those extents are in order to read all the potential data that matches our query. We've seen that creating a table is effectively creating a segment, and that segment is allocated and an extent. And that extent grows into multiple extents that will be spread across possibly multiple files on multiple locations on multiple disks. Thus, to query a table, we need to find the segment information and then find the extent information in order to find all the data on disk. How do we find the segment information for a table? Well, the data dictionary gives us that information. If you do a describe on the dictionary view DBA segments, you'll see there are two columns, one that's called the header file and one that's called the header block. If you dive into the internal definition of the DBA segments view, you'll see that it is actually just a view on top of another view called sys underscore DBA underscore sex. That in itself is a view on top of another view which includes the view sys underscore objects. And if you dive into that one, you'll find we get down to the very core database dictionary tables, tab dollar, which contains all the tables, ind dollar, which contains the indexes, tab part dollar, which contains table partitions, etc. On each of those internal dictionary objects, we have two columns, the file number and the block number. That is the starting point for your table. To query a table, at this point we only need to find the very first block and what file it sits in for that particular table. That tells us where to commence. And obviously the question is, what then? If I get to the starting point of a table, that is still nowhere near enough information to tell me about all the rest of the data for that table, what files and extents and blocks it's in. But that first block is what we call the segment header. Hence the columns in DBA segments saying header file, header block. What that does is it contains information about the segment that you're looking at. And the key information that's required to read an entire table is inside that segment header, we have an area called the extent map area. And as the name suggests, an extent map is a listing 
of where all the extents are. And for each one, we have the file number. So depending on which file it will be inside this table space and the block number, the starting block number for that extent and the length of that extent. A one megabyte extent might be on file number seven. It might start at block number 5,212 and might go for a megabyte. You can see now why the concept of an Oracle block size is important because a lot of the unit measurement inside a data file is defined in terms of Oracle blocks. If you missed the previous podcast session, go back to that one and you can find how we spoke about Oracle blocks being an abstraction of the underlying OS block size. But that extent map block is a list of where all the extents are. You would simply go to the first entry in the extent map, find the file number, the start block and the length, and then you can jump to that point on the data file and read that data in. As I said before, we will read that in at most one megabyte chunks due to that SSTIO max. And then we work on the blocks that we've read to find the data that you've asked for. We apply your where clauses, etc. Perhaps a later podcast will contain a deep dive into how the blocks are formatted as well. Once I've finished reading the first extent, then I'll go get the next entry from the extent map that will contain the file number, start block and length for the second extent. You can start to see where the myth about having more extents being bad came from. People have this theory that, oh, I have to keep going back to this extent map information in the segment header to find out where the next extent is. But in reality, it is all sitting in one block, the segment header block. That's literally only an 8K block that can happily sit in memory. And now we're just looping through that list and jumping out to the data files to find the right extents and the right data to read. As an interesting little aside, it turns out that the database reads the segment header more than once from time to time. But I don't want to dilute the discussion and make you think that less extents is better. It's reading the segment header multiple times is still going to be tiny compared to the cost of reading your data. Thus, multiple extents is not a drama. I mentioned reading your data in one megabyte chunks being the maximum. Then obviously that would be optimal in terms of minimizing the number of times we jump out to the disk. And you would assume that that one megabyte maximum is burnt into the core such that whenever you do a read, it will be one megabyte at a time. But it's actually not the case. For a long time, Oracle gave us the choice of how much we want to read in one visit to the disk. And that was the parameter called DB file multi-block read count. In the previous podcast, I mentioned that early versions of Oracle had a default block size of 2K. Also, the DB file multi-block read count defaulted to 8. So in earlier versions of Oracle, you could easily be performing non-optimal trips out to the disk infrastructure to do your reads and do a lot more visits than you needed to. To achieve a one megabyte read with an 8K block size, the optimal setting for DB file multi-block read count is therefore 128 to get 128 times 8K equals a megabyte. However, that opens up a whole new kettle of fish as we say in Australia in terms of optimization. We'll defer that discussion for another time, but luckily in modern versions of Oracle, with no changes to the default parameters, you'll be achieving those optimal one megabyte reads whenever you're scanning a table entirely. You can see that since the segment header contains a list of each extent, and we have to cycle through each extent, once again, extent size doesn't really matter that much because we're never going to read across extents. Savvy listeners might be seeing a problem with the description I've just given in that a segment header block is just like any other Oracle block. It is limited to eight kilobytes by default. 
If an eight kilobyte block contains a list of all the extents and where to find them and what size they are, that would suggest there is a limit to how much information I can fit on that block about where the extents are. And this was indeed the case in early versions of Oracle. Back in Oracle version seven, it's funny how every DBA that ever worked with the database knew by heart the number 505. 505 was the maximum number of extents you could have on a table that was sitting in an 8K block size. It had nothing to do with the size of the table itself. It was the fact that we could only fit 505 entries in the extent map information in the segment header block because the segment header block was only eight kilobytes. Each extent map entry was maybe 15 or so bytes, so 500 of those got you very close to the 8K limit. So even though the motivation to have a single extent was proven to be a performance and maintenance myth, the upper limit on extents still meant that choosing extent sizes was an important activity for a DBA. Because if you got it wrong and you weren't monitoring the size of your table or the number of extents it had grown into, once you hit 505, there was no recourse. You had to unload the data, create the table again with a larger extent size and reload the data. And that obviously was a big outage for your database application. As such, you would see DBAs have very aggressive monitoring jobs looking for when database objects got more than say 100 extents or maybe 200 extents because that was a telltale flag that you might need to make some adjustments to the extent sizes, in particular the next extent size to make sure that you were never going to hit 505 extents. That flies in the face of the stop defragmenting and start living white paper where we said always keep your extent sizes the same. And thus we had a bit of a conflict there. Ideally, we would not want any limitations on how many extents we can have. So there was definitely a motivation to fix that. If you're not an Oracle dinosaur like myself, you're probably unaware that there was ever a limitation on the number of extents for a table or an index because in 7.3, we introduced the concept of unlimited extents. If we're storing extent information in the segment header block, how did we overcome this 505 limit? You can't just keep jamming more information into a segment header block. How did we get to unlimited numbers of extents? We introduced another kind of Oracle block, a special kind of block that contains just extent information. What that meant was now as a table was created and the number of extents grew, we would put extent information into the segment header block just as before. Once we got to that magic mark of 505, therefore we could not store any other extent information in that segment header block. When someone needed the 506th extent, we would alter the segment header to add a pointer to a new block. And that new block was called an extent map block. And that block itself sat inside the table definition and just had the next list of extents. And if we got to over a thousand extents, then we would add another extent map block. And it just became a chain of blocks, each one containing just an extent map information. In that way, you could have as many extents as you like and you would actually never run out. It's time to wrap up this podcast. If you're stuck with this through to the end, congratulations. It's amazing how you can spend so much time just talking about the simple act of how do we do select star from my table. And we didn't even talk about optimization or parsing or the shared pool. All we spoke about was how do we find the data for that table out on the disk? 
Hopefully you found this informative and hopefully explains how some of the myths about extent management came to be and how we've now moved beyond that and generally no one worries about them anymore. But it's also a word of warning. If you're searching out in Google nowadays, if you find information saying less extents is better, one extent is the best, etc., you can rest assured that that's probably obsolete information and therefore you should treat the content with some degree of skepticism. Thanks very much for listening. As always, please reach out to me on Twitter or any of my other social media channels if you want to ask questions or provide some feedback. It's always appreciated. And we'll continue with these back to basic style sessions to give you a thorough understanding of the fundamentals of the Oracle database. Take care and bye for now. Thanks for listening to this podcast. The music credit goes to Zanman from Pixabay Music.